This is part two of a three-part podcast. Hi, my name's Ryan. I've been a supporter of Paul's for many years now. I wish to get the podcast and video creation part of the system we call Paul back up to full speed. And I think Patreon support is a big part of that system. Go over to patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton. Make a pledge for each artifact that Paul creates. Again, the site is patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton. You can also find the link in the podcast notes. Enjoy the podcast. So uh, we're looking at I wish for. So the next item on the list, I wish for rocket mass heaters to become the most popular form of heat in the world. I wish for that. We know. Yes. Yes. Uh, I wish for my, and so I was writing this back in December, I wish for my new Kickstarter to set a new dollar record for me. Maybe even crossing the numbers so big that the popularity of it draws more attention. Maybe the book goes viral or gets big media attention or movie star attention and gets into some fancy bestseller list. It's always good. Yeah. It's always good to dream big. Yeah. Wish, wish, wish. Yeah. So wish, this wish, is, wish. you know, building a better world, build a better world in your own backyard. Um, I wish for marketing experts to sell my stuff like crazy so I have a huge coin for stuff. Uh, you know, I just wanted to point out a little oddity um, and observation about that. So... Um, there is residual income and residual income, and the game keeps changing online. So back when you wrote your uh, lawn care article, Lawn Care for the Cheap and Lazy, um, that was at the start of the Internet. And, and you could count on one hand articles about lawn care. Yeah. In the early years. I think when I posted it, it was probably the only lawn care article up. Now, and, and of course, you can't say when it was the start of the Internet. Well. No, it's, it's when the Internet became popular. Thank you. In the Good fall clear. of 1995. Such an engineer clarification. Yeah. Yes, very well done. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, um, so, but the thing is, you know, we've been together 10 years mm-hmm. now and when I um, we've been here on the property a little over 5 years now and when I first met you, you didn't have land at the time and you had just started optimizing more and more of your online stuff and doing less software engineering and I remember you uh, revamping the lawn care article, getting an artist to do new images, you know, and 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 doing all kinds of things to optimize SEO and optimize traffic and 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 optimize your affiliate income through that article. And this is just one tiny example sure. as we're talking about a marketing pro. And the reason I'm talking about this is, you know, five years ago. Um, uh, we got, you bought the land here and there's been more and more Kickstarters. So more and more of your energy has gone into managing Wheaton Labs and Kickstarters. 
um, a higher percentage and and less time has gone into you know optimizing SEO or graphics for some of your online em- empire as we call it we call it your online empire okay and I'm not saying that's a bad thing I'm just you know there's there's so much social media has just gone off the charts but it's weird and it's messed up and it's you know so you're talking about some some all t- ties into marketing. Yeah, this okay. all ties into marketing because, um, I mean, I know you think about selling your DVDs and the playing cards and and tickets to events and now the book, um, and but there's so much more with marketing. You know, there's there's ads on permies, there's ads on rich so there's affiliate links, there's just so much there that could be optimized and could be accelerated and and you used to do a majority of that work yourself and i just think you know you've added so many new things with the land here and with uh, all the education we're doing in meat space now here with boot camp and pep and PDCs and ATCs, as well as the Kickstarters, that you just can't do. You can't take your lawn care for the cheap and lazy and refresh it and revamp it again so that it's like Pinterest and Instagram worthy in 2019 or 2020 now, you know, because things are changing is what I'm saying. And there's... Well, I mean, okay, I set it up as residual income stream. Yes. So I, I, I did the work to it the one time. Yes. And <clears throat> I think that was like uh, the first major overhaul I did on the article. Yes. And, um, I mean, I it wouldn't take too much work to expand that into a, a book. But in a way, we do cover it in the new book a little bit. We've actually condensed it, uh, and it's a chapter in the book. Um, cool. Because we're trying to get people to stop using uh, weed and feed. Oh, right. You yeah. know, and so that's a big part of the book. That's a divorceable offense in my book. <laughs> in my non-existent book, you know. So, um, but the thing that I'm trying to point out, and I think where you may have been going, is that uh, we set up all this stuff for the with an affiliate fee, and then let other people do. SEO and whatnot, because I like I think I think that the four DVD set for the Rocket Mass Heaters, the the new four DVD set is really good, mm-hmm. and um and or if people are to get just one DVD, the Building a Cobb style Rocket Mass Heaters standalone right. single DVD is really good. Right. And and so for fifteen bucks you can watch that video. And um, I kind of feel like right now the affiliate fee for all my stuff is like 50%. And I, and I just kind of – so it's a, it's, a, it's a double-edged thing. On the one hand, uh, uh, not only do I encourage people to make residual income streams and stuff like that, but on the other hand, um, I, got, I, I used to get so many people who would write to me to say I'm doing my marketing all wrong. And so now I can say, um, all right, then you do it the right way. And make a whole lot of money. 
and then they just go silent. Yeah. You know, uh, well, I don't get people asking anymore because they know what I'm going to say. Well, we had somebody who thought they could improve the marketing for one of your products, and they actually made it worse. And when we put it back oh, to your right. stuff, it got better again. So it was it was like, okay, here's Paul's way. Here's this other person. It was doing, eh. And here's this other person's way. It did nothing. Sold. And then put it back to Paul's way, and it was back to, uh, it's okay. I, I wasn't implying that you're doing the marketing wrong and that I know so, how to do it right. better. I was just trying to show. I want to I tell a story here, which is an ugly okay. story. And, Aww. yeah, I know. You don't want to hear ugly stories. But I okay. feel like if you you got to know the ugly stuff in order to be able to know um, in order to take on projects. And yeah. so, so basically, um, there was a guy and he said he would have this stuff done in October. And it's like, okay, then that'll work. And then it, it went on and it went on and went on. And then December, and it was clear he wasn't going to have it done by December. And I was sitting on this enormous mountain of money from the Kickstarter. And it's like, if you don't spend it, that's income. And so I would have to pay taxes on it. And so it's like, here it is, like December 30th, and I'm realizing this. And so because this guy dilly-dallied, it's going to cost me possibly ten to $15,000 because he dilly-dallied. Well, and, and there's a whole complicated chain of things there. You, he couldn't be prepaid okay. because he wasn't there. Oh yeah, no, you know, no, there's, there's, zillion, yeah. Zillion Every story can be a thousand times more yeah, complicated. Yeah. yeah. So I'm trying to do skippity skip skip skip. So the the choice I made was all right. Here's, I mean, in in hindsight, I had some people point out to me that I could have done a. Um, uh, like you put in escrow. Put it in escrow. Put it in escrow. And then, then I would have, but instead what I thought was, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to buy a bunch of magazine ads and I'm going to advertise the world domination gardening three DVD set. And, and so then all those people are going to come, uh, and, and, you know, buy the 3D set, uh, after the beginning of next year. And then I'll get the money back. Um, and so, all so I bought all the advertising, and then uh, the money started to come in, but it came in like crazy slow. And it was like, okay, I put like fifteen thousand into advertising, and it looked like I might be lucky to get five thousand back. So some people agreed to help me. So I went from having like. Um, uh, I think it was like I was selling about one sale a day to um, going three weeks with zero sales because I implemented all of these good changes. Yeah. And and it's like and then when I tried to talk to them about like why their their, their first response was like no you just got to wait you just got to wait <laughs> and and uh, after three weeks I told Adrian just put it back. You know, put it, put it back. We went, we went from out of the frying pan into the fire. So uh, it's a complicated space, and and so I ate it. Everybody's glad for me to take risks, um, doing what they say. And so, um, but the bottom line is, is that with a 50% affiliate fee, people can do whatever kind of marketing they think is best, okay. and they can they can even do A/B marketing, where you try a dozen different things and see which one works out. Yeah. 
you know and and it's like because that was the other thing too is like oh you just can't do this kind of thing without a b marketing and at the time we didn't have any a b marketing stuff installed and it would take a month to get it and it's like uh it was it was a mess and it's like that i don't want to spend my days talking to people about ab marketing i don't want to talk to people about swipe i don't i still don't know what i don't want to i don't i'm still not sure what a funnel is and i don't want to know <laughs> well i didn't mean to trigger such a response from you i i i just wanted to point out that you can set up affiliate stuff and you do, you can just not touch it and let the income come in. Though things keep changing and I, from observing you over the years, <coughs> it seems to me that you can optimize and strategize and, and work things um, to make it better. And I think a, mar- a marketing person theoretically you should know how to do that so now a hundred different marketing experts can all have a go it's also right with the affiliates one person Mm -hmm. uh did do some marketing stuff and brought himself in a fair bit of coin yeah and it's like um he he said he was going to do seo stuff later but all he did was is he posted some threads out of permies and um i think he made a thousand dollars i think um, and uh, by just posting some threads at Permies. Well, and, and it's like, wow, okay, I don't care. And people have gotten kickback links for your current Kickstarter, and they've already uh, been selling the book through their kickback links, and right. then they get a percentage of the proceeds from there. Right. Depending on how much they sell. It's a, it's a tiered list. Of, so let me read this list of stuff I got. Yeah. So... Um, uh, it's I uh, marketing experts to sell my stuff like crazy, so I have cute, huge coin for stuff. I'd like to get an Amazon professional to sell the physical products on Amazon. So all I got on there now is the cards, and I'd love it if somebody could even take over the cards because I can't help but think that somebody who knows what they're doing on Amazon will sell 20 times more cards than what I'm doing, right. and therefore they're infecting more brains. Right. But. I cannot stand the idea of learning one more thing about Amazon. Yeah. I wish to just not ever sell something on Amazon again. Um, uh, Oh, I got a note here. Uh, As long as I'm wishing for stuff, floods of five-star reviews would be nice, too. Okay, I'm ashamed to admit this, but I go out to Amazon probably three times a day. I've got a little quick link that goes right to the cards. And, like, for the last two months, there's been 132 reviews of the cards. And so, this is so stupid. Uh, so, what is that? 60 days, three times a day. That That is that is way too... It's dumb that I should look that often. I had no idea you were doing that. I was looking to see... I looked to see if somebody posts a new review. and And it's like, for the longest time... The the cards had 4.9 stars on Amazon, and then somebody posted a three star review, you know, and it brought it boom right down. Dang. And and now it's at 4.5, and it's like oh, so I keep hoping that one day somebody will post a new five star review and it'll go back up to 4.6 or something mm-hmm. like that, but. 
Anyway, um, it is what it is, and I should just ignore it and stop looking at it so often. But I also remember, remember Toby Hemingway, uh, I think we recorded him in a podcast, and he said, if I'm ever having a bad day, I go to Amazon and I read the reviews. And, of course, the number one review for Gaia's Garden is by a giant doofus named Paul Wheaton, <laughs> who gave five stars for such an excellent book. Um, Very good. Yeah. Uh, so, um, uh, but I I don't know. I, 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 I keep hoping for more five-star reviews. I've never called you a giant doofus. I call you a larger-than-life character. Which seems always a little, you know, <laughs> like not the best poetry. I think giant doofus is pretty good poetry there. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, next, um, uh, in the realm of marketing experts to sell my stuff like crazy, so I have huge coin for stuff. Uh, a, a superstar with AdWords to connect AdWords to my stuff and harvest the affiliate fee. If I go into AdWords, I am lost. Uh, they've made that so complicated, I have no idea how to use it. And I feel like if I put $100 in that, I would be lucky to get one sale back. And um, I, or, or maybe, you know, I should more accurately, if I put $100 in, I'd be lucky to get $10 back. Let alone somebody who knows what they're doing, they put $100 in, they probably get $2,000 back. I don't know how to use it. I, I try to figure it out, and I don't want to spend another minute of my life looking at that stuff. Right. But there's people who do it professionally. They know what they're doing. It's For them, it's as easy as breathing. Uh, let's see. Marketing experts sell my stuff like crazy, so I can have a huge coin for stuff. Uh, set up threads about homestead and permaculture businesses on permies, and those people buy ThreadBoost. Okay, so on permies, we have ThreadBoost. If there's a thread, you, somebody can go and flex their credit card and buy ThreadBoost. It's going to be more and more popular. I see somebody buying ThreadBoost about every other day right now. Uh, usually they buy $7 worth. But right. there's occasionally somebody who buys $200 worth. Right. Um, I have seen somebody spend $3 in buying ThreadBoost. But it's an automated system. Yeah. And, like, if you create a thread for, like, a product, I'm looking around for clothespins, um, and you, and so you create this thread for these great homesteader clothespins that's sold by this one company or whatever, and you make a thread for it. And then you point out to the company, look, I made a thread for you. And then they buy $100 worth of thread boost, $100, let's say $100 a month for uh, the next five years then that would mean that you would get $50 a month for the next five years. Because you sold them, that company, the thread boost. I'm just clarifying. You created the thread. Yes. And you said, I want to harvest the affiliate fee for thread boost on this thread. Yes. And then they came, you told them about it, and then they came and bought the thread boost. Right. And they did boosty, boosty, boosty. So, for example, uh, Berkey, Berkey Water Filters. Yeah. They they pay a lot for marketing. I have no idea how to contact them or do anything and whatever, but you could create a thread for Berkey Water Filters, and then they could come by and buy a bunch of uh, um, uh, thread boost. And it's like, uh, you know, plus on top of that, the thread boost has proven to be really effective, which a lot of the people that keep buying thread boost now 
um, they've this is like their tenth time buying it. They keep coming back and buying more, and they keep bumping it up a little bit every time. Well, I'm trying to think. Some of them have different products, and they've been so happy with being able to find like-minded people at Permies that want their product, that they've sent us gifts, or they've sent us their book, or their cards, or their whatever, because they've had so much fun. You have a a pile of stuff on your desk, which is to, to thank everybody for. I know we keep, and I feel so bad. Uh, I I think in the next couple of weeks I'll start chipping away at a bunch of the thank yous of some of the gifts that have arrived. Stuff I wish for that I think I can get if I have oodles of coin. And the first item on the list is a proper well at the lab. I have paid people to to do well stuff creatively, and um. Uh, thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, and um, and it's like, oh, you know what? Um, it's time to get a professional well put in. We need we need you know real water, not not uh, a, a straw put down to a mud puddle. Well, and there's a long history of things that went awry oh, that are comedy. just. just yeah, that we won't go into here, and reasons why we've waited this long and we tried these other avenues. Well, we didn't. Yeah, we we didn't wait. No. We the first didn't. thing was we need we need water. Yeah. On the lab, and and then so somebody said, well, if you give me fifteen thousand dollars, I'll buy this well drilling kit, and I'll you know so. There went the money, never got a well. Um, and they left with that equipment, yeah. Yeah, and they're like, you know, they didn't even say thanks. <laughs> and I, it's like, ah. Oh. But that's another story for another day. But the other thing is, is like with the Kickstarter right now, so the Kickstarter is currently at uh, like $53,000. I think for me to get enough money for a well for up at the lab then our margins are so narrow yeah. then I believe we did some math and it ha- we have to get like a hundred and forty to hundred and fifty thousand dollars on the Kickstarter until my share is enough to um, be a big enough chunk that if I add some more money from other places on top of that then we can get a well yeah um, hey, did it, I mention buy some PDC tickets? Uh, did I? How about a Deep Roots package? You interested? Huh? Well, I think it's so amazing to me because people, people in permaculture circles see your successful Kickstarters and they think, oh, Paul has... <laughs> Paul must have all this money by now. But they're, they don't realize... There's huge costs, you know, right off the top. Kickstarter takes 10% to process all that money for you and to list it for you. There's, you know, there's the cost of producing the actual product. You know, you pay video editors, you pay co-authors, you pay... There's all the kickbacks that go out to people, and this doesn't even... Include, the stretch goals. You know, you, you pay graphic design, you pay... Uh, there's so many different things that cost money in producing these Kickstarters that people look at this and think, oh, Paul got this big lump of money. He must 
be just such a fucking capitalist that he's rolling in all this money and and they're not realizing that you're creating like this little wet little large web of economic um, boon to all these other people as well as yourself and I wish people would think of it that way as okay look Paul is the one who drives it and and is the larger than life character who can bring all the people together to do this but that that money goes out to so many people yeah, and I, do- I get just dozens a- upon dozens literally I just get a cut um, of of the action, I do not get all of it. I thought it was hilarious how I read something on the internet that was really old, and they were talking about my uh, Kickstarter for the wood burning stoves 2.0. So that had to be six years ago, and they said uh, I supported his Kickstarter, and he got ninety two thousand dollars for that, and uh, so that way uh, he took that money and went and bought land. And I'm kind of thinking, like, how much do you think land costs? <laughs> no, it's like, uh, no, I got a lot. I got a big chunk of coin at the end of that. But, I mean, it was closer to, like, 15000 After everybody else 20, was paid. Yeah, something like that, after all the other people were yeah. paid. then. Um, uh, but it's like, I, I kind of wonder, did I even get minimum wage? For that I'm your bookkeeper and I corroborate this <sighs> message <laughs> I oh well and I know a few years ago you did some math and you showed me and you pointed out that I was making for all of the things that I did for that year which included a Kickstarter I made 80 cents an hour and so um, anybody we don't, we don't calculate that anymore anybody anybody <laughs> who we pay by the hour gets paid you know far more than I do, at least ten times more than I do. Um, so, uh, uh, so I kind of so when they start complaining that they're not getting paid enough, I remember there was somebody here who complained about how they weren't getting paid enough, and and it's like I was kind of thinking like you don't even earn that, but and I was kind of thinking like you get paid more than me. <laughs> so, um, all right. Yeah, so we we went off, you know, we were talking about the well out of the things that if you had oodles of coin, what you would wish for. Uh, A proper well at the lab. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and, and basically that, originally I thought I have to have $40,000 in my pocket before calling the, the the well drillers, and then for a while I thought I might need to have sixty, um, because you know of all the because the prices have gone up and um, and there's also a chance where it's like you get a certain depth and it's like if you got the money I'll go another hundred feet deeper right you know because right. we haven't found water yet yeah. and uh, yeah. you know there's that whole game you got to play yeah. Um, it's, it's a miserable game. Yeah. So, uh, but but I think I think we're kind of talking. I've had some long conversations with Fred, and at this point in time, I'm thinking, if I had forty five thousand in my pocket, I'd call him. Yeah. And so, but I'm not uh, at this point in time. I don't. I don't think. I don't think the Kickstarter is going to bring in enough. It's not looking like it's it. It hasn't hit that trajectory at uh, so, this stage. Um, maybe if I just sold a whole lot of tickets to a PDC or something, <laughs> you know, then I could probably pull it off. 
All right. Well, so next weird. one, next item on the list, uh, a magnificent lab business manager. And so in the past, I've referred to this person as an MBA. Mm-hmm. And so um, somebody who could, uh, you know, do the, you know, manage the business models of all kinds of things that we're trying to do. So many different business and, models. And do the and mostly do the hiring and firing. Yeah. Um, so you and I have both been in corporate roles where we have done hiring and firing. Yeah. And um, and I'll talk about this a little bit more when we when and if we get to my list. We're taking so long on these items. I don't know how many podcasts this is going to be, um, but hopefully we can step it up a little bit. Um, I um, I learned that. Me trying to live with the people I manage makes me the worst manager ever. I just, if I ha- if I'm living with the people I'm trying to manage, I don't manage them. I try, I, I suck. I just can't be clear enough with them about what I want because I want them to enjoy living here. So, um, yeah, having somebody who could be a better manager than me and take some of that load off of you um, would be good. I think in order to find somebody for a role, there's um, a lot of different ingredients, but it costs a lot of money. And so if we have a business manager, the business manager could, you know, hire two people, probably fire both of them, hire two more. And probably fire those two, hire two more, you know, go through this process of hiring and firing until you get somebody who's good and um, uh, and then and then run run with that. And then it's like at the same time, in order to entice somebody, it's the it's the Favicon problem in order to entice somebody out this far, then um, you've got to either have somebody who's already here or you got to come up with enough money to be able to entice somebody to come out from the city. Yeah. And and uh, uh, and then they need to have a golden parachute. Yeah. You know, so all of, you know, that, that kind of stuff. And some of the people a business manager might hire are all, are a lot of the people that are next on your list that we'd like here. The positions of a full-time education director. Yeah, and it would be a great, along with a full-time education director, it would be great to have a dozen PEP4 students. So I, I think we've talked about the difference between PEP1, 2, 3, and 4, but PEP4 would be like a three-year-long program. Um, but it would be great to have a dozen PEP4 students. Yeah. Um, and we have enough in terms of land and facilities and stuff that... If we, you know, and if we had enough going on with events and rentals, we could easily have three people kind of sharing doing uh, the event and rental coordination. Right. We we devised a way to divide it up, but Mm -hmm. um, we're also exploring the idea now of hiring somebody directly. So we've got somebody starting tomorrow where it's a direct hire um, as opposed to doing the business model. Right, and and this, uh, and so I'm going to be leading uh, this charge. Oh. So hopefully we'll fill the PDC. 
mm. and then start offering more events. Right. So yeah, there's there's lots to do in that space, and I'm still um, stuck in quarterly payroll taxes. Um, so I'm going to be juggling, but we'll 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 see how it goes. It would be great to have. I wish for two full-time natural builders, and this is all if um, I had oodles of coin. Yep. Um, if I had oodles of coin, it would be great to replace our sad vehicles. And I've got a list here of uh, Ranger Doug, Toots, Judy, Rex, and the Millennium Falcon uh, yeah. with excellent electric options. Wouldn't that be awesome? We we started out with awesome electric uh, options in the early um, year or two, and those quickly proved um, not very sustainable. Kind of, they just did not have the quality to last. Right. So that was unfortunate. Uh, hmm. All right. Uh, overhaul the electric tractor to be a great tractor. Yeah. So what arrived was a lemon. Yeah. And we have now put a lot of manpower and money into it, and it still doesn't run. Um, and there's just a lot more that needs to go into it to make it a reliable piece of equipment. Yeah. Which, by the way, speaking of tractors, um, I'm not sure we shared it a podcaster yet or not, how uh, the Kubota exploded. Um, yeah. It started shooting oil out the front, like, that, and it's not supposed to do that. And you mm-hmm. bought it brand new on warranty about two years ago. Yeah. And um, and it was a one-year warranty, more or less. Uh, and when I think it was a two-year warranty. Oh, okay. But I think we had maybe gone past the two years. Okay. But there was some part that was the part that died that was covered under a longer warranty. Yes. So they replaced the engine uh, under warranty. But we still had to pay like $500 for stuff. Right. Um, so incidentals or I don't know what it was. So instead of having to pay for a brand new engine and getting it installed, then it was on- only... It was only $500 when it exploded. Well, and uh, 360 of that was delivery. Yeah. They made us pay for delivery to and from town. But, um, uh, so... And then we went through the worst snow without a tractor to remove it. (laughs) Yeah, they couldn't get it done for us, and we were stuck with all this snow. Um, Yeah, we'll have it back to you in a week. And I guess, and then that turned into another week, and then, oh, but the guy wasn't here, see, so... And then it... So, yeah, two, two months. Two months during the worst. By the time it got back, all the snow was gone. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and then um, uh, you mentioned a full-time person directing cooking and cleaning. And that kind of is is going to roll up under me and, and a helper starting Monday. So, um, and, uh, but, yeah, we could use more layers in that type of role here. Um, the next thing on here I've got is a full-time videographer. And I think that if we had a full-time videographer here uh, who uh, would not only take a lot of video each day, but also um, uh, do the editing to put out like a, a YouTube video each day. And I think we could probably get some new Kickstarter project projects rolling. Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah. 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 And I, I, you know, this is if I had a lot of money, but I think that if we did that, 
that would get that started, mm-hmm. and then I think that that role would pay for itself. But I think all these roles would eventually pay for themselves. Right. It's a matter of getting it started. Right. And we've tried a variety of methods to get things started with other people. And then it's amazing how many people think they're an entrepreneur and then you find out they are not. And both you and I are entrepreneurs of one flavor or another. Mm-hmm. And um, so we'll, we're just going to keep trying to grow uh, the right people here in different ways. And that's another reason why I think the boot camp is really the key to everything. Because I kind of can't help but think that we're going to get some boots in here and some of them are going to shift into some of these roles. Right. Well, and a videographer here, I mean, there are really uh, what could be boring videos about accounting. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that Oh, you want to tap into my videographers? Is that what you're I saying? I do. I would pay them through my business to edit some videos, instructional videos for my clients, and and that would be huge for me. I tried to learn. Anyway, I could go on, but Paul and I are both so busy, we just don't have the time to keep up with video editing software, get the new software, get the video editing done. Um, I don't know. I I took some video uh, a couple months ago that you liked just about, okay, what am I going to do with this huge serviceberry branch that Paul left in the middle of our patio? You know, and I made a little video about all the things I wanted to do with this serviceberry branch that was left behind. And uh, I kept having to stop it, so then I have to stitch those all together to make it, and I just... I stopped there. You gave it, up. It wasn't one continuous video, so I didn't try to post it. Anyway, and it's uh, it's it's stupid because that could have been fun, and it could have been fun for people who are interested in Wheaton Labs to see something simple about that. I think I'm a I'm an okay I'm a I'm a low grade video editor. I can do okay, um, and I've I've put up a lot of YouTube videos. Yeah. Um, and and I could I could keep doing it, but it it does it it just takes time, and yeah. and uh, um, yeah I I kind of feel like um, we've got lots and lots of paths where if we get more of it, that it could be a, a full time paid position, but you know we got to get it off the ground, and not only do we have to get it off the ground, but of course the first seven people you hire are going to not work out. Yeah. So you got to burn through. So you got to you got to you know, okay, I'm going to pay you this much money, and then they don't, they bring in one tenth of that during their time, and then you say, I got to let you go because you don't bring in as much money as I pay you. And then you got to go through that cycle a few times until you find somebody who, like, you know, can actually crank it out on a schedule without a whole lot of excuses. Yeah. Um, all right. Last item on my list. Um, update to the Fisher Price House so we can do the cords of wood test again. So we heated this house uh, one winter with 0.60 cords of wood and that was a cold winter. Yeah. And um, there have been, like the winter after that, we kind of felt like we probably came in less than 0.5 cords of wood. 
Um, but I, I kind of feel like, uh, and this winter, I think we went over. I think we were pushing a cord this winter because we yeah. had that super cold. I mean, like it was wet wood. Up until the end of January, it looked like, oh wow, this winter is going to be way under half a cord of wood. And then, and then it got cold. And it stayed cold. Well, between that and we ran out of our dry wood and went into wood oh, that was right. wet. We bought dry wood, but it turned out to be wet. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that's just way less efficient, and it was rather uh, frustrating. But yeah. All yeah. right. So update to the Fisher Price House so we can do the cords wood test again. This would include an include an enclosed front porch, winter curtains plus other improvements to reduce heat loss through windows, more emphasis on dehumidifiers and air filters rather than fans, you know, sucking the heat from inside and blowing it outside. Improvements to the rocket mass heater, which I've talked about in a previous podcast. Uh insulate the skirt. Uh, warm spots in the house with radiant and conductive heat, uh, like what I've done with my couch. Huh, you've sat on my couch before yeah, with yeah. the little thing at your feet and the little light above mm-hmm. your head, you know, warm as toast. And it we, is warm. And yeah. it's like a lot of times uh, we let the temperature in here drop down to like 63, and you sit right there, and it's like toasty, toasty warm. Yeah. Um, all right. We could probably let it get even colder, but then other spots of the house don't have this yet. And so then, you know, you end up getting cold. All right. Um, uh, dining room katatsu, desk katatsus, um, more uh, tracking thermometers. I think it would be really great to have a collection of tracking thermometers inside and outside. Right. Um, and maybe we can get our, get our winter wood needs down to 0.2 cords of wood for the Fisher Price house. Right. I I like that. We could do that. Um, so that was your list. We spent, uh, and, and I'm going to burn through my list a lot quicker. My list has quite a few repeats anyway. So um, my, you know, I already mentioned the idea of me trying to manage things here and I've 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 managed food here I've I've you know I don't do all the cooking here um, that's for sure but I I keep all our food stocked here I do the bookkeeping for you I have my own business I I have a variety of things that I do here and yeah. I learned that I suck at managing people we've hired here if they also live here. Uh, I think I'm getting better with that. But since I've moved here, I've had health issues. You've had health issues recently. And I I used to... Uh, so my list talks about a bunch of things for me personally because I am an intrapersonal learner. And also, I am doing, working really hard at getting myself healthier so I can do more here, have more energy to do more here, more uh, bandwidth, which I've explained in here. That just means the mental clarity and everything to do. So I'm, I'm prefacing all of this because I used to discount the stress in my life. 
I used to think, well, I have first world problems. I, you know, I grew up in the suburbs. I had a loving family for the most part. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, all these things. And I've never really uh, considered stress to be that much of an impact on my health. Um, but um, I'm also not used to being part of basically a global empire that Paul mm. has. And, and when you expose yourself publicly so much, uh, there's stress that comes with that. There's trolls. There's icky people. There's, and then when you bring hundreds and hundreds of people through your property, the first year it was 200 people. The second year it was 150. Uh, it was lower the third and fourth years because Paul had health issues those years and I've had my own health issues. Um, bringing that many people through your own home and learning how to share your home with people is a stress factor. And um, I'm now being more aware of how to reduce my stress and and be happier with this amazing project that I'm so excited to be a part of. So, I mean, there's all these upsides of being able to be around like-minded people, live with like-minded people, and yet I am a person, I have a thread about being an introvert in community. And it's not even so much being an introvert. I think I have certain amounts of social anxiety as well. So, anyway, I don't mean to make this me, 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 me. It's your and, list. You and get to yet, do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's and, a wish list. You get a wish. And yet, I think these are really important things for different people to think about with community and that I am learning how to optimize with community. And and so when I talked about, for me personally, I want my health issues handled, a big part of that is stress. Um, and having more friendships, especially for women, reduces stress. So um, those are the, the three big things for me personally. And just doing a gratitude practice, doing the appreciation of the beauty and art and like-minded people and thanking people for the gifts they send us, all of those things are going to help me personally and help me with my health. And I just would like to encourage other people to not discount their stress as I have done. And it's taking me a long time to come around to going, okay, well, I probably have first world stressors, but they're still very real and, and they impact health. Um, so I am working on that. And I think a big part is figuring out what I can control and managing, controlling what I can in some healthy ways. So I didn't, you know, just quickly go down the list, but that's kind of what I want for me personally here. And so I, I, I'm noting the one that says, so you have a thing on here, better and more female <laughs> friendships. And, and so it's like, yeah. 
I kind of feel like when I talked you into joining me here, that that was like one of the big items that I had on the list. Oh, and there'll be, it'll be community, which includes women. It won't be like guys only. There'll be women (laughs) here too. So there'll be all these gal pals and stuff. And there have been times when there have been women here. And then there have been times when it's like all guys. And um, and then of course with people coming and going, then yeah. well, so for five and a half years that we've been here, mm-hmm. it's been ninety five percent guys. Oh no, it hasn't. Um, it's been like maybe eighty percent guys. Well, in terms of people who have lived here year round. Oh. Well, <laughs> no, still we're we're maybe eighty five percent. Okay, eighty five, not ninety five. I stand yeah, yeah. corrected. There you go. I stand corrected. Yeah, still a lot so, of guys. A lot of guys. A lot of guys. Yeah, I remember one um, year and a half span, uh, a span of time for about a year and a half. It was me and eight guys, you know. So it was me and eight guys at every meal three meals a day, six days a week. And, you know, you just, I just got so used to, you know, guy humor every meal. Oh, okay. It was, it was, anyway. Um, uh, and I think your focus on rocket mass heaters and Wolfotties and um, so many of the infrastructure, you know, the world domination gardening, the, um, the infrastructure things that are you are so passionate about tend, tend to attract more guys. And it seems to be there's been more guys interested in an ant village plot and building a cabin out of nothing on an ant village plot than there have been women. Well, okay, so I, I kind of think that a big part of the focus has been to garden gardeners. And yeah. so in, in order... In order to be able to have a person living here year round with their own zone one and their own their own garden and and gardening a plot, they need to have a place to stay yes. where they can cook food and they can poop and uh, they need to have hot and cold running water and um, until we have that then, okay, we got to build it. And so when it comes time where we're saying, okay, we're going to build, we're going to build, we're going to build, yeah, most of the people who have come out have been guys. And uh, But I, I think that, like, okay, this year, it's pretty much a slam dunk. Allerton Abbey is going to be done. And then we need somebody to live in it and to do the gardening and, um, and that kind of thing. I... I I kind of can't help but think that the the odds are high. It's more likely to be a woman. Well, but we'll see. I, I, the that, other thing is, is, I keep setting up the events. Yes. And so if I'm going to set up an event, it's going to be like because of my own reasons. And then when we have the, you know, those are going to probably attract more guys. And, and especially since we're in kind of like a building phase, even still, then um, yeah, that and that's going to be the seeds for who ends up being a resident. Right. 
so so our workshops have done a great job, even when they have been workshops that you're more interested in and that you've managed setting up. Um, they've still done a great job of attracting quite a few women. Um, uh, you know, we're not quite 50-50, but there's been quite a few women coming to a lot yeah. of the events. Um, not, but, but in terms of residents, yeah, 85% guys over five and a half years. And so, and this is in part to make Wheaton Labs something that's an even happier place for me to be. I'm happy to be here. I'm excited to be here. I'm passionate about everything we're doing here. Um, it's it's so many of those things are near and dear to my heart. Um, and yet, I'm not as happy here as I could be. And to make it even better has, in part, in inspired me to step in and start helping with the events, which I always thought I would do when we first moved out here, but there's a long list of reasons why I didn't um, do events when we first moved out here. Uh, but it's looking like I'll be helping with that now. And I had started a thread on Permies about uh, a women's retreat here. And it was really cool feedback from the women who replied there that basically they don't want a fluffy, fluffy, you know, women's only thing either. They want to they want to learn stuff. They want to do stuff. And if they came out to eat in labs, they would want to have it be a hands on experience as well as a fun getaway with like minded people. And it's not so much about having it be a women's retreat. So so that was very informative to me. Um, and and so it's it anyway, it's going to take a while because I've been knee deep or actually neck deep in uh payroll taxes recently. But so for Wheaton Labs, this is my goal. More women here um, who might want to be here year round. <laughs> That would be a lovely happiness. And um, and I think if we have this rental and event manager, uh, which I'm going to be sort of filling for now, I, I don't really know how to explain that very well except sort of, uh, to plan a wider variety of events that might attract people and who uh, might end up wanting to be residents here. And then it could be a wider diversity of topics, uh, which would make me happier so that I could have less construction talk and less guy humor <laughs> and more, uh, you know, it was so funny. The other day, uh, a friend walked in, uh, a female friend, and she said, oh, I love your earrings. And I just, I was just floored. I was like, Really? You want to talk about earrings? Oh, man. That hasn't happened to me in like three years. <laughs> earrings. Who wants to talk about earrings? <laughs> Stupid earrings. <laughs> so, anyway, this, um, so I need to take some control and make some things as I would like to see them. And that's, that sounds weird to phrase it that way, but, um, uh, um, so the, my whole list for Wheaton Labs 
was about, you know, less construction talk, more food and food talk, more gardening, you know, uh, and more beauty and joy. Uh, So we were talking about nettles at the beginning. I saw this beautiful, beautiful nettle cake. And that, that, you know, it was like this gorgeous Pinterest or Instagram worthy picture from this amazing kind of artist woman who created this nettle cake that was full of sugar, you know, but gorgeous green, vibrant green cake. And it just reminded me of my love for nettles and wanting to grow those here. And, um, and I just think if we had Pinterest worthy cakes, no, or Pinterest worthy flowers and, you know, beautiful cobs, wofati, whatever structures that are just so gorgeous, full of art, beauty, and joy, and that they're so picture worthy, um, that will help drive interest for more long-term people here and more workers here. So on the point of more art, joy, and beauty. Yes. Then, okay, when we moved here, when we arrived here for the very first time, it was a plain shop. It was a plain double wide. And there was this plain garage with this odd storagey part of it. Now, between then and now I think that the things that we've done so far have made all of these things about 20 times more beautiful yes um, I'm mean, granted we got a lot more to go because well, I'm just thinking that the words that you're saying make it sound like we live in a shithole oh I don't mean that and so I think it's important to point out that what we have for Art, joy, and beauty, which is on your list, yes, is um, pretty good. Yeah. We have come a long ways. Okay. Now, there's still room for more, and we have lots of ideas, and we're constantly talking about more things to do. Of course, all those more things to do to bring more uh, art and joy and beauty are generally construction things. <laughs> right. Well, this, this is what... Or gardening. So, um, I'm trying to think of how to say this in a public podcast. Mm-hmm. So... We have been under construction for five and a half years. I mean, yeah. the first two or three years, the um, uh, Hugelberms, you know, the first year we were like, okay, well, we can't garden here because we're going to build culture berms. So right. I had everything in pots. I, well, I had quite a few container plants where I grew herbs and flowers just to do some kind of gardening. And then, um, and then it took like another two years before the hugel culture berms were done around the house and I could start gardening. And, I mean, while those were being constructed and while those were under construction, I mean, the dust was just insane that would blow into the house and stuff. It was it was like being in a, a dirt pit um, while that construction was going on. Right. And then... Um, and then to be to be fair to Hugel culture, yeah, we have an, an an unusual circumstance at this particular property in that this yes. property is a giant rock, yes, and we had to import the dirt from the right. lab, and then once it was here, we can't just simply 
it because we're importing it, it makes the process of building it longer. Longer, yeah. And because this particular property was shaped in a very odd way and our needs were very different, that made it take... 20 times longer than oh, building right. a regular Hugel culture bag. Right. And we built the Hugels taller for a number of reasons, and then they needed to be packed more, and there are all these different things that made these Hugel berms more challenging. And then we had challenges getting them mulched and seeded right away, and so it's been a much longer process with Hugel culture berms than normal. And, um, and so... Be, well, and then there's there's been rock mass heaters getting built in the living room and then getting redone in the living room and then mm-hmm. there's and it's still not really the way we planned it and there's been you know shelves getting constructed and there's been um, so many cool things going on and yet it's constant construction, which is a level of stress for someone who likes an orderly home. <laughs> now, and on the on the realm of shithole, I I think we've done a really good job of not having a shithole. And and then there have been some people who have lived on the lab and they they don't seem to have ever heard of the word shithole. And when they leave, now some people have left their property and you know when they when it's their time to go, they've left it pristine. And then there have been some people where it's like it, they've left it a shithole. And then we have to go up there and we have to clean it. Right. It, it's, um, I think we've talked about the tidy stuff in other podcasts, so I don't want right. to really go into just, that here. I don't want people to think that we are devoid of art and joy and beauty. I think we've got a lot going on right now. Right. But, of course, we've got so much on our minds about how to go 20 times further than what we have right now. Yeah. 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 No, um, I, I think the Hugel cultures are better around the house, so Hugel berms, but I think they're still, I think, I, I wish I had six hours a day to make them 20 times better than what they are. And right. I just don't have six hours a day. I'm like, I'm lucky if I get, you know, half an hour to an hour a day to garden, exclusively garden. Right. So I'm lucky if I get that. So I still have places in my herb garden out front that I haven't quite mulched out or cleared out the grass. It keeps wanting to overtake some of my herbs, you know. So there's things to me that I feel like, okay, this could be 20 times more beautiful. But, um, you know, I have lilac bushes that survived the... Many things. (laughs) Many things. You know, I have lots and lots, you know, I paid lovely awesome helpers to plant a whole bunch of trees that I tried to buy and get started here and a lot of those died just the drought was too much two summers ago and or my care was too um, erratic and and so there's lots and lots of things I spent money on to have more deciduous um, medicinal and blooming things and a lot of those died um, some have survived. Like I have some lilac bushes that survived. Uh, it looks like my honeyberry bushes came back. Woohoo! <laughs> you know, there's, you know, I have quite the p- 
pretty nice herb garden, uh, both culinary and medicinal. That, that most of that has survived now because the soil has been improved enough. So, so there are some beautiful things going on. Um, uh, and yet, I just if I had more time or more help. I know it could be 20 times better. So yeah. it's it's hard. It's like when you're in your own home and your own garden, you see you could there's unlimited things you could do to make it better. So that's kind of in part where I'm coming from. Um I'm very excited at having more green because we lived here for quite a few years when all the dirt was getting trucked in and stuff and everything was just dirt and dust. And now we're seeing more and more areas that are getting filled in with um, grass or just green growies, whatever they are, I, I are think covering it's pretty clear the soil. that this land loves us being here. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, when we first arrived, it had a certain look to it. Uh, someone, some people could argue that nature is beautiful exactly, you know, as is. And, um, and I kind of feel like, for example, last year we had, uh, the primary hugelkultur bed closest to the house produced quite the jungle. Uh, not a lot of the, the, the garden plants that we wanted to grow, but there were some mixed in with the jungle of other plants. And um, and I think this is going to be the year that we're going to cut a lot of those other plants back, and we're going to put emphasis on food crops. Right. And but I think I think it was quite beautiful last yeah. year. Yeah, it was. Um, it just was kind of like wow. I wish it could be a lot more, you know, food plants. But there was a lot of food that grew out of it. Yeah. You know. So, but but you're right. I think that, and I think each year that we've been here, it's gotten to be like far more beautiful than the year before yeah and and it's 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 gotten more beautiful and there are some things that have suffered under the traffic like the fisher price house has suffered under the traffic of hundreds of people coming through here in five years yeah there's there's molding that needs to be replaced there's floors that need to be replaced. There's, right. you know, um, that would be a thing to put on the wish list. Yeah, is wood floors for the Fisher Price house. Yeah, or tile. Um, yeah, I don't. Yeah, so there are, um, in terms of, you know, more tidy and more finished things. Um, yes, definitely some things around the Fisher Price house have shown signs of wear and tear that now need repair. Um, Think about the red cabin and yeah. what it was like when we first arrived and what it's like now. Well, the inside of the red cabin is far, far better. The outside, like we said, is showing wear and tear, and the, paint, the paint is wearing off it outside. Mm-hmm. So um, these, these are the little things that if we can get some rental income and get some workshop income... Um, I hope to funnel some of that to more beautification mm-hmm. in, in, in those ways. And those are some things I can take control of. Whereas, um, like recently, you know, some of the experiences, um, and where the money gets funneled for boots experiences or pep experiences and stuff is not necessarily, it, it does add beauty, like the shelves 
do add an aesthetic and a beauty and I got a second spice shelf in my kitchen. That's awesome. I love it. Um, and, and I love the extra shelves in the dining room. Um, and, and they're beautiful shelves. It's, um, but sometimes some of the focus on the projects and the experience is not, um, uh, as a typical aesthetic, like, you know, we're not getting, right. you know, like, oh, boots, come on, it's time to paint the red cabin, you know, I mean. We've, we've had five or six people who came through and expressed that our kitchen is the most beautiful kitchen they have ever seen. <laughs> And so um, it's it's not like it's a fucking ugly kitchen. No, it's it's um, I'm not expecting you know marble counters, you know, or, sure. or like you know um, uh, you know we have it's 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 humble in some ways and in other ways it's really awesome because people love the herbs ha- hanging from the ceiling. They love the teas and mason jars and the spices and mason jars and we we have a well-stocked kitchen and well-organized kitchen so i i do think people enjoy that um it it, is small and that's about yeah um it's it's not that small for this size of house in some ways and we've made it bigger with all the custom shelves we put in there which have helped a ton Mm -hmm. um i think you know, when you look at natural buildings and people have done a live edge slab countertop. Oh, right. Or or they've done, you know, part stainless steel wrap around their island and part butcher block and part live slab and live edge slab and stuff. We don't have that kind of natural building beauty, um, but it's a double wide. I right. Mean, and, and, right. And, you know... Um, those kind of things could come later. Probably not in the double wide. Might be more likely to happen in a wafati. Right. But um, you know, I can dream of those things someday. That kind of natural building beauty um, would be uh, fantastic. But it's it's we keep it clean and organized, uh, and we have lots of amazing whole foods to cook with. So yeah, people generally love our kitchen. So when it comes to, um, at the very least, art and beauty, I think that we're doing pretty good, but we're just getting started. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 this has always been the challenge here has been to keep up with the maintenance. Oh, I had skipped ahead to Wheaton Labs actually. You're down here. Yeah. Yeah. This podcast is continued. In part three. Don't forget, go out to patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton and make a pledge for future artifacts.